0: Welcome to Clear Vision. Here we have exclusive, up-close and personal conversations with legendary musicians. Our program is devoted to examining what makes people great. Needless to say, everyone has a unique story, a clear vision, and we're here to bring it to you.
1: Welcome to our podcast. I'm Doug Bowder, and I've worked in the music industry most of my life as an educator, publisher, author, musician, and entrepreneur. I've had the honor of talking with some of the legendary names in the music business. And what I found out is that indeed, everyone does have a unique life story, a clear vision on their journey to success. And who better to tell you about these stories than the musicians themselves? Their aspirations, dreams, and decisions they've made that have shaped their lives and music. On this podcast, I'm proud to present our latest production with David Crosby, who just, sadly, passed away a few weeks prior to the creation of this episode. David was a legendary American singer, guitarist, and songwriter. He was the founding member of both The Byrds, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and also embarked on a solo career and released six albums to his credit. This was an interview I did back at his home in Southern California back in the mid-90s when David was deeply involved in his solo endeavors. So let's go. David Crosby, what's going on in your life?
0: I am probably the happiest guy you know right now. Actually.
1: Well, I guess I got a
0: record that's working. We love that, you know, it's like, it doesn't happen very often that you get one that goes up the charts and actually gets on the radio and stuff. Now, if everybody goes out and buys nine copies, nine, uh, we'll, um, you know, I might get partially out of debt, which would be great. This is your third solo album, right? It is, it's the third one. Uh, The first one was a bazillion years ago, and um, right after the Civil War, actually. And uh, it was, uh, you know, a a very personal one that that was very acoustic and very nice, and I loved it. Next one was a couple of years ago, uh, right when I was just getting started again, and uh, it was okay. Uh, but this one, I think, is the first one I've done where I felt like I was doing the level of work I'm supposed to be doing. I I I really uh, I'm amazed it took me, you know, this long to get back up to speed, but it really feels like the kind of stuff that I, I should have been doing and would like to have been doing the whole time. But, you know, the best way to make these things is where you don't have pressure on you. And uh, my record company I've been with, you know, for like 20 years, and they were, you know, willing to extend me a lot of freedom. And so they said, okay, you know, do it at your own speed, and when it's done, it's done. Uh, which is pretty rare. They were really, really supportive.
1: Your single, Hero, was co-written and produced by Phil Collins. How did you guys meet up and come to work together?
0: Yeah, the story is uh, that uh, he came up to me at the Atlantic 40th birthday party. We're both on Atlantic, and and he came up to me and said, I'm your biggest fan. and I went, no, no, you got that <laughs> backwards uh, uh, no no see I like your no and uh, so we did that for a couple of minutes and then we wound up you know uh, talking and uh, and he asked uh, me if I would sing on his up then upcoming solo album uh, uh, but seriously, and uh, I did and uh, One of the songs that I wound up singing on, I did two, one called That's Just The Way It Is, and the other one was Another Day in Paradise, which was the big hit, and we had so much fun in the studio. I mean, we almost laughed ourselves into the poorhouse. We were just, it was hysterical. We had a great time. You know, you of all people do know, you know, that a lot of people who get to that level of the business Get a little artificial or a little strange, you know. Just the ivory tower effect sets in, or they decide suddenly, gee, I'm significant. He's not. He's just as real as a human being could be, and he was so nice that I really liked him, and we wound up being friends. And a nice wife, a nice family, nice, you know, very real guy, and uh, and a musician's musician. The thing about him is, if he decides he's your friend, he's not, you know. I'll have my machine call your machine. He's like really there, you know, and he. He uh, was very generous, he, as you said, produced it, sang on it, uh, was in the video, uh, um, just, you know, was the nicest possible guy. He also played, you know, the drums and the keyboards and everything on it. He's like,
1: he's a master. Yeah, the storyline, the hero, how close was that to what was being shown in the video?
0: Well, it's one interpretation of it. that was Sean Penn's uh, idea uh, i I really was going to try and go away from the historical stuff about me, you know and sort of you know say, "Well, right, we talked about it. I wrote a book about it it that was good, now we'll move on and Sean said, you know." Uh, He's got a great film sense. The guy's very, very bright and he reads people very acutely and uh, he's not at all like the public persona that got published about him for a while there. But he's a very sensitive cat and he said, listen, this is what, you know, people care about you because you survived this stuff. And he said, trust me on it. It's what you're hiring me to do is direct this thing. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. And he made a number of, of really good calls. He. It was his idea to do it that way, it was his idea to use Jan instead of an actress because he said, hey, when she looks at you, she's in love with you. You're what, he, you, you can't buy that, you know, that's not, that doesn't come down to casting. And uh, and also the kid in the video, who was really wonderful, Sean looked at a whole mess of Hollywood kids and said, yeah, maybe, you know, they're okay, but they're a little you know, contrived and I want more natural. And he went out and sent people out until he you know, saw on a videotape that somebody had shot in a playground, that kid. Brought that kid in, the kid was wonderful, you know. So thanks to Sean, he was he's
1: really a nice kid. I see you had a bunch of your friends helping you out on this third solo album. Uh, as I mentioned before, Phil Collins, but Joni Mitchell wrote one of the songs. In fact, you sound a little like her stylings when you sing it.
0: Yeah, you can't help but, but be influenced by her. What happened was I had a set of lyrics, and I showed them to her because I'd asked her for a song. I said, Johnny, you know, you're you know, you're you. There there's hardly anybody as good as you in, in the history of writing songs. You know, I wanna make the best record I can and I don't have enough songs by women, great women. And you're it, you know, you you and a handful of other women are that good in, in the history of songwriting. And I." Uh, she said, well, I don't have one that's right for you. Well, let's write one. So I showed her the set of lyrics and she went, well, these are good. And I took it and she just went with it. You know, she, she wrote the lyrics up two or three notches better than I had them without losing the story and the idea and the flavor. And uh, she wound up liking it so much that she's going to put it on her record too. Uh, and uh, I'm, you know, I, I love her. Uh, And so it was a great writing experience. As a matter of fact, she said that she would like to do it again, so I'm going to try to do that.
1: I know you love to sail, and looking around your house here, I see a nautical theme, which reminds me of your song Columbus. Tell us a little about that. Well, Columbus is a
0: perfect example of how this record happened. Because I said, okay, there's no rules about where the song comes from. It can be a 400-year-old madrigal or something living color cut last week. I don't care. I care does it make you feel something. Jan came to me with this song when I was in the hospital, uh, and said, "David, I heard this song, and it's you. It's as if you wrote it." I, she was absolutely right. it's it, it is exactly my kind of song. You know, the imagery is just where I uh, where I live. You know, the the underlying personal stuff was just my kind of thing. And I it. Had, you know it had already been out on Mary Black's album lovely Irish girl singer with a great voice and I I just I didn't care you know I knew I would do it differently than she did it so I just went ahead and did it and that's you know one of the freedoms that I have with the record and I think it's one of the reasons the record came out the way it did because I wasn't you know afraid to do whatever just cut the song that makes you feel good and that was it So I dream of Columbus
1: Every time manic starts. Crosby Stills, Nash and Young were kind of a, a spokesman for the Woodstock generation, dealing with the war, environment, civil rights, drugs. What was it like to be in the midst of all that? Actually there were
0: lots of people who, who you know, were just as as much, you know, central to it as we were. But we were very outspoken. And we chose sides very early on and said, okay, we don't think this is a, 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 a good war. Uh, we don't really know if there is such a good a thing as a good war, but we know this one isn't, and we're against it. And a lot of the things that we espoused then, the civil rights, you know, you had a leader like Martin Luther King, you couldn't ignore it. Here's a direct descendant of Gandhi, you know, a man who's willing to stand up for what he believes in. You can't ignore that. That's huge, wonderful spiritual power. You know, we had uh, the beginnings of the environmental and ecological movement. We had, I I think most of the the, the causes or or mindsets that we espoused then and really, you know, felt that we were, you know, doing the right thing. We were right about. The only one I think we were wrong about was the dope, and I think that's because we didn't realize that you know relatively innocuous things like smoking a joint would wind up with us you know or me anyway doing coke and heroin you know and you know drugs are all different when we started out in that whole thing we thought we were going to expand our consciousness and be really smart and learn all kinds of new stuff well you know (laughs) we wound up in this place where i had all the spiritual consciousness of a rutabaga you know, and I was hiding in a, in a closet or a bathroom somewhere with a freebase pipe, you know, and I wasn't even connected to reality at all. Reality who, you know, and uh, it was just a mistake, you know, it was an innocent mistake, we didn't, really didn't know. Um, I, I regret it, you know, but then again you can't go back and rewrite it, so there it is.
1: Since we're talking about that time period, let's talk about the song Ohio.
0: Ohio was probably one of the most satisfying recording experiences we had. Uh, I, you know, remember the picture of the girl kneeling over the kid on the ground, dead? Well, I handed that picture, that copy of Life Magazine to Neil. And I watched it, hit him in the brain. And I think I handed him the guitar. In any case, I sat there while he wrote the song. And I started singing the answer backs at the end, you know, and uh, he and I looked at each other and I got on the phone and I said, okay Nash, book a studio now, get stills, get, a, get the bass player, get the drummer, get the engineer now, we're going to go get on a plane now. We went directly to Los Angeles, we went directly into the studio, we cut the song, bingo. We put Find the Custer Freedom on it. Nash, this will to tell you what kind of guy he is, who had a hit going, like it was already top ten with, uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, not our house, uh, Teacher Children, took it off, called Atlantic and said, pull it. We got something else we got to put out. And they said, excuse me? He said, pull it. And we gave the tape to Armand Erdogan that night. He flew it to New York on the Red Eye, and it was out within a week ten soldiers and next probably the most satisfyingly topical on time on target (laughs) delivery of a response to something wrong that i've ever been through
1: to pay tribute to David and his accomplishments as a musician activist and social influencer he will be missed by all who loved him and his music let's wrap this edition up of clear vision with the legendary musician David Crosby what's coming up well let's see what's on the schedule it looks like we have a salute to film scoring with Danny Elfman and the late great Henry Mancini I hope you enjoyed this exclusive interview with David Crosby on Clear Vision. If so, please subscribe so you can be notified of our upcoming content. Tell a friend and give us a five-star review. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.